It is very much based on the customer. When we're working with customers, any technology selection is really based on their specific requirements. Hey, I'm Blake, and this is the Content Plus Commerce Podcast, presented by Engine Ecommerce, the only podcast for people building successful online stores. From agency life to being a lone freelancer, we'll be bringing you weekly content full of best practices and in-the-trenches advice. Welcome back to another great episode of Content Plus Commerce, hosted by Engine. Today, I've got Graham Luby of Akron here with me today. How are you, Graham? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. So, uh, as we normally do, the first question is direct about your agency. So, talk to me about what you've built, some backstory on how you came to found it, and maybe just kind of your growth path and where you are today. Sure. So, Akarn is a Boston-based agency. We're owned by a private equity firm called Teal Capital. We are acquired just over two years ago by Teal to enhance the digital capabilities in the Teal portfolio of companies. We started out, though, by being a regular digital agency, doing everything from websites to mobile apps to e-commerce. And what we realized probably about five years ago was that more and more companies were gravitating from general websites, brochureware sites, to much more transactional sites where they were selling their products online. And, and we saw a lot of opportunity there, not just because e-commerce is a lot more complex than regular website development, but what, what we also really gravitated towards is that you're able to see success in e-commerce based on the metrics and growth of revenue. So it was a it was a natural move for us, and and we transitioned um, to be essentially a hundred percent focused on e-commerce probably about three years ago. The sorts of companies we work with range everything from retailers and brands to manufacturers, both B two B customers as well as B two C, and the sorts of services we provide to them go from upfront e-commerce strategy, including user feedback, market opportunity assessment, all the way through design, development, and then ongoing evolution and support, helping our customers grow their e-commerce revenues. Uh, from a team standpoint, we are pretty tech heavy with a distributed team that's spread around the world, and we've got about 40 full-time employees right now. It's fantastic. And something I always like love to pick on is you mentioned five years ago, you kind of, you started this shift and then again, hearing three years ago, that's a long time to be operating in the e-commerce space, uh, like in the grand scheme of things. And that's a lot of trends, uh, that have come and died and, and that you guys have seen, uh, as an agency. Yeah. It, it fundamentally, I, I think e-commerce is complex and, it's difficult for people to switch off of platforms easily. So while there, there certainly are a lot of trends around specific tactical elements, so tools, maybe personalization or search or um, SEO-centric focuses at any point in time, all of those point tactics get rolled into platforms, which make, it, make them very sticky for customers um, to maintain and, and it really what it's resulted in is that switching costs 
can be a challenge for customers. So very often we see customers continuing to expand and evolve their existing platforms rather than spinning up a new e-commerce site like one might do for just a regular website. Yeah. So completely. Yeah, so so for us, sorry, for us we see long-term relationships with our customers where we become a trusted partner working with them day by day side by side. Love to hear that. Love to hear the the longevity of relationships and the the building of trust between an agency and a brand is so important because they look to you uh, as the subject matter expert, whether it's on platform or on trends or on uh, how they need to change their their consumer facing site as trends evolve and as design trends kind of come and go. Agreed. And and for for most of our customers, we do go through, say, um, UX refreshes on a pretty regular basis to keep them current and and reflect their brand identities. But underlying technology tends uh, tends to evolve at a slower pace. Of course. Now, let's get into kind of the the nuts and bolts of of building these sites. Talk to me a little bit about your agency's tech stack and your go-to tools, what you guys use to empower and enable these brands. So we're focused on a pretty small number of technology platforms. Um, the, The theory behind that is that in order to deliver expert service, you need two things. One, you need a world class platform. And two, you need a world class team that is expert in that platform. So we, we on a regular basis evaluate different players out in the market and whether it's, um, uh, existing players that are are well established or emerging contenders with uh, really strong uh, capabilities and a really strong roadmap such as engine we we're constantly in an evaluation phase at any point in time we really have focused on three platforms just given the team size it's it's what we feel is ness is so the the maximum at a company our size can focus on at any point in time and still be expert so historically um, we've worked with Magento, with Shopify, and with Salesforce Commerce Cloud. But as I said, we're constantly evolving um, and evaluating new players and, uh, and and really taking some of the ones that are um, up and coming, such as such as Engine, and uh, starting to look at, at rolling them into our, into our footprint and replacing some of the others. Yeah, of course, of course. Now, talk to me a little bit about uh, one of those platforms in particular, and maybe some of your favorite things about building on them, or even uh, how you'd approach saying a client is a fit for X platform, but not Y platform. I know this is something that a lot of agencies we talk to, uh, some of them have uh, spreadsheet documents that they run numbers through and they kind of crunch the end result. Uh, how do you guys like to make that selection? It is very much based on the customer. So when we're working with customers, any technology selection is really based on their specific requirements, both at a macro as well as at a technical level. So for example, if you're a B2B customer and you have a lot of integrations and a lot of customizations that you need to make, we'll likely gravitate towards a Magento because Magento is an open source platform, allows you to make those customizations and deploy them on-premise or in the cloud. If it is a startup, we might choose a different platform. So it really is going to depend on on the the specific um, customer's requirements and and our experience rolling out solutions for similar 
customers with similar requirements. That's fantastic. I always like to hear the selection process that different agencies go through, and I know our audience does too, so they can kind of compare notes of uh, how they run through that selection process with how everybody else does too. So uh, finishing up this section about about you guys in particular, uh, let's hear about like your your agency getting to be the hero story. What's something that that you guys really rest your rest your laurels on or something you're just very proud of of, of your team? Over the last two or three years, I think we, we've developed a reputation for being very responsive to our customers. And, and this goes back to considering our customers partners. And as a result of it, we, we've been getting a lot of referrals from existing customers or, as in any industry, there's a, there's a fair amount of migration from company to company. At least half of our new business is coming from referrals, and uh, a good portion of those referrals are actually previous customers that have shifted companies. And what what they see is in their new companies, the agencies that they're working with or their internal support teams are maybe not as responsive as as they've come to expect from their current team. So that uh, that isn't necessarily a single hero event. But it's really just more of a trend of saying, you know, if you deliver awesome service, you're going to get recognized for it and people are going to want more of it. Yes, that is the that is the rarity as well that that your business comes from. Like you're you're doing such a great job with your clients that they want to tell others about it. I think that's where every everyone wants to eventually get to. But actually speaking with somebody who's seeing that internally, uh, it's got to make you feel pretty good about the the work and the end product that you guys are doing. Uh, getting referrals is always exciting because it means that you're doing well enough that somebody else wants to to talk to a peer in their industry about about your team. Yeah, it, it, that, that's definitely true. And e-commerce is complex, right? You've got a huge number of moving parts. Many of those moving parts you don't have full control over. So, for example, when you've got a multi, multiple layers in your technology stack, you may have a hosting environment that you control part of. You've got your technology stack. You've got upgrades to that technology stack. There is a lot of opportunity for things to go wrong especially in more complex sites where you're doing integrations from your e-commerce platform into your back-end ERP system into your third-party fulfillment systems. Passwords change, IP whitelisting changes, <laughs> things things just go wrong. Um, it, it's unfortunately the nature of the beast. And I, one of the areas that we put a lot of focus on is saying if something goes wrong outside of our control or, or inside of, of our control, it's not so much that something went wrong, but how did we respond to it? And how do we make sure that we're able to respond in a professional and speedy fashion to get it addressed? Definitely, definitely. Let's pull that thread for a little while longer, uh, because one of the things that I know that you said that you wanted to talk about on this podcast was planning on complexity, grinding through those details, and how to do things the right way in e-commerce, since it is such a complex and nuanced industry. Uh, let's keep talking on that. I know, I know from from my history in in building brands and putting brands onto different SaaS frameworks to run their e-com stores on. No two store is is nowhere near alike, even if they're operating in the same industry and have the same fulfillment partner. Um, it always comes down to that like that upfront acquiring of details and that that spec of uh, wrapping the entire team's mind around what needs to get done. Yeah, so there, um, 
there, there's some sort of um, theories or hypotheses around theories or hypotheses around the number of potential points of failure um, significantly impacts the overall potential for failure. So if you've got two potential points of failure, your probability of failure is going to be significantly lower if, than if you've got 200 potential points of failure. E-commerce sites today have hundreds of points of potential failure, whether it's outbound product feeds, inbound product feeds, integration points, the technology stacks that you're on, the DNS that you're working with, and that results in a lot of complexity. And then when you layer on top of that customer-specific requirements and customizations to meet those requirements, there's a lot that, that could go wrong if you don't plan accordingly. So from a, a process standpoint, we spend a lot of time confirming that we understand the requirements that our customers have, both around functionality as well as around um, technical elements. And those requirements then flow downhill um, from a, a, a project standpoint where those requirements then get translated into technical specs. Those technical specs then get translated into test plans that uh, are then used for validation of all the features and functionality before anything even rolls out into production and then you've got all your production support processes. So when it comes to launching a, an e-commerce site, and, and this is really true for more complex sites that aren't template-driven and, and have um, higher volumes of products, you just have to grind through the details sometimes. There are no shortcuts. You have to do the work, and once you're done with, with going through the, through the process, you invariably are uncovering some things that weren't revealed earlier in the process that you have to incorporate. And uh, when it all come, comes together, um, it's really great to see. The projects flow smoothly, you don't have change orders, and you're able to hit uh, hit all, all of your development milestones and, and get us a world-class site to uh, to launch um, quickly and effectively. Yeah, I, that, that grinding through the details point you made, uh, that I, I love that because it seems like uh, in an ideal world and what every project manager would hope is up front you've captured the details of what's needed, you pass that on to the engineering team, and in the end you spit out a beautiful site. But I think the reality is is that as you're grinding through some of those details, whether it be creating products or loading product data, uh, inevitably something is going to come up that, that wasn't captured or wasn't thought about or wasn't seen. Uh, and then it's it's how the team handles that unknown unknown that really speaks a lot about the processes that are set up for, for success. Totally agree with that. And when, when we look at e-commerce projects, the two areas that that we feel are, are have the biggest risks are typically going to be around data conversion, so from an old system to a new system, whether it's customers, orders, or products. And the second one is integrations. Mm. Because there are lots of details in both of those. And um, very often what we've seen is if you try to do those without really thinking through the upfront, really doing the specking and the mapping of data from one system to another and the integration uh, definitions, it's very easy to... If you get started without those tools, and this is um, uh, talking from experience here, yeah? if you if you get started without doing those uh, those those detail um, specking and documents, you find yourself in in the middle of a, an integration, saying, "Well, 
why does this work in that way or why does it not work in that way? So you have to sort of step back sometimes and, and reiterate. So rather than doing that, we, um, we focus pretty extensively up front on defining what the requirements are, defining what data mapping is, and then, uh, then implementing the solutions. It's sort of to the, uh, the um, woodworking uh, old saw. Yes. Um, me- measure twice, cut once. The same is true with uh, with integration and data conversion. Spend the time up front. Spend twice as much time up front in the analysis, and you can get through it a, a lot faster and a lot more efficiently. Oh yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Now, coming to our, our closing question, uh, what is something in the e-commerce world that you see coming down the pipe in the next year, two years, that you think might catch people by surprise? It's probably going to be the acceleration of AI. So the, there's a lot of buzz around artificial intelligence and how it's going to change so many different different areas of the way we live and the way we work. What we're seeing is a tremendous amount of investment by technology platforms in artificial intelligence. And we see that that technology is going to get deployed pretty ubiquitously around things like uh, personalization, so one-to-one marketing, one-to-one personalization and merchandising of products on, on sites, things like more intelligent order fulfillment, more intelligent shipping estimates and, and delivery expectations, all being bubbled up to the customer. To the customer. Today, there are some examples of it, but really what, what we see is personalization is pretty rudimentary. I think with, uh, with additional AI tools, that's going to that's gonna be, uh, be a lot more ubiquitous for customers. Yeah, I, I'm ready to see that trend emerge too, where the site, more than just a belt of products that you, you also looked at or uh, customers buy these items with, I'm ready for the actual homepage to start adapting to my shopping habits and for it to be still a beautifully designed experience and not just product images thrown in random places. I think that's the uh, AI machine learning driven shopping experience that I'm looking forward to most. I totally agree with you. And if we look at it historically, it's really difficult for a team to build out personalization experiences just given the number of potential audiences and the num- number of potential segments they'd have to create different assortments or groups and categories and, and, and banners for with AI. I think a lot of that gets handled based on actual metrics rather than assumptions that a marketing team might be making, even if it's informed by analytics. Yes, and those incremental improvements over time that maybe as my uh, traffic gets analyzed, my nav bar changes, my menu changes, the the way that products were organized or uh, hierarchically displayed on the page uh, evolves and adapts over time to kind of fit something that's very appropriate to my shopping habits. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's um there's a clothing or newsletter that I get from one of the large fashion. Uh, fashion brands and they have in the in in their newsletter they realize that i'm male and there are certain products that i shop for when i click on links and go to their site it shows equal number of male and female related topics they know who i am i'm subscribed to the their mailing list there needs to be a better way for them to personalize their message to me and i think with ai we're going to see a lot more of that we're going to see um 
when that's how I can identify who I am based on cookies, yep, I'm okay with that. Uh, they'll be able to give them a much more personalized experience. Completely. Yeah, and then, and then the end result, uh, however many years away, is the box just shows up on your porch with what it thinks you were going to order anyways. <laughs> a, bit of, um, bit, a bit futuristic there, yes. but uh, I, I think that there are already um, some AI applications where based on your historic purchasing, they're able to prompt you to say, just confirm it. So it's mm -hmm. maybe not showing up on your porch, but you're getting prompted to buy products that are in a sequence that you've bought in the past. Completely. Well, this was a great episode. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. I know our listeners are going to be uh, eating up this episode here pretty soon. So thank you, Graham, for your time. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe. Also, if you'd like to talk to Engine about our agency partner program, then visit enginecommerce.com slash agency.